And now, for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, content marketers, and welcome to episode number 12, the Dirty Dozen episode of PNR's This Old Marketing. As always, if you end up liking the show, please do consider subscribing via the iTunes or Stitcher links. These you can find in our show posts on our very own fancy URL, thisoldmarketing.com. And also, as always, I'm here with my good friend and colleague, Joe Polizzi, the Sochi Olympic gold medal winner for content marketing curling. How are you, my friend? You're back from the North Pole, I see. Uh, I thought for sure you were going to do something Super Bowl related, but uh, <laughs> but yes, well, I'm back from uh, from Copenhagen, and I have to tell you, you have a lot of fans in in Denmark uh, around. We're the big bo- in Denmark. Uh, hey, we're, we're big in Denmark. We're big. Yeah, the podcast <laughs> is big. I'll tell you, it's making news in Copenhagen. No, it was just nice. It's nice to you know you. It's you and I, you know, yammering here on the podcast. It's nice to go out into the public and people say. You're my one listen to every week, and that's just, oh, that's it's just nice sweet. to hear that. Yeah, That's very, very sweet. Also, I have to, uh, I have to give you a shout-out because you're too modest to give a shout-out for yourself here. Um, epic Content Marketing, doing epic things, number 39 on the Amazon charts. Congratulations, my friend. Yeah, that thank is just you. fantastic news. Well, I, and, and I have to give kudos to you because as I put in the acknowledgments and in the beginning of the book, uh, a lot of the thinking comes from – from my friend Robert Rose, but I, I'm I'm amazed that uh, how well it's doing. Actually, <laughs> yeah, it hit it hit uh, it hit across the board last week. Number ones in all the sales and marketing categories, and and made it up to 39 overall. And uh, what was funny is there was a point where it, it was uh, it was one ahead of Cheryl Sandberg's Lean In, and okay. and I and I basically told her to lean out a little bit. <laughs> Make room for Epic there, Cheryl. <laughs> no. did, did you get a response from Cheryl Sandberg? <laughs> well, now that I'm way back in the uh, you know 200s or whatever, now it's it's you know it's going back. I see. But anyways, yeah, yeah it, it's uh, it's been it's been nice. So thank you for the shout out. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, a week chock a block full of news um, and some interesting news to start us off here. Facebook paper. I mean, that just sounds like an oxymoron when you first hear it, but uh, Mashable, and of course we'll put the show, the link in the show notes as we always do, but Facebook announces that they're going to have a new app, or launched a new app, I should say. It's uh, very Flipboard-like. It's basically a rich app that is looking to get to and surface the stories from inside its social network. So what say you, Joe? Is this a is this an interesting thing for content marketers? Not an interesting thing? Just another me too? What what what's your take here? Well I don't know about you, but I actually downloaded the app and I and I tried it out and I want because I said, well if I'm gonna talk about it on the podcast, I better at least <laughs> know what the heck I'm talking about. I and I like it. I like I mean yeah, I it's, like it's the, beautiful. It's it, beautiful. It's beautiful. And and I guess for those people that don't know how it works so I can see in a new format uh, what my friends are doing, and and it sort of picks out the ones with images and and leaves those first. So and I it's actually really easy to scroll through, and it has all the likes and comments just like you would normally have. But what you can do is you launch the app, you can actually pick other areas, like I, pl- I pick tech tools and and ideas, and they're curating from outside. I mean they're they're actually. I don't know what it's going. I don't know what it's supposed to be and become. I guess something tells me that they're doing a lot of what Google does, and they're they're placing a lot of different bets. And I think this is one of their bets. Right. 
but I, you know, I love the uh, the engagement factor here, and I love the fact that I can go to Facebook Paper now, and I can engage in all sorts of content that on my Facebook page, and that not on my Facebook page that that it looks like. And I don't know. I mean, from what I could gather from Mashable, they've got editors and curators behind this, sort of that help to put this together. I mean, what, so what do you think? I, you know, I think if that's true, it's a really interesting thing. I mean, look, we, we've talked at length on previous episodes about LinkedIn and how they're, you know, they're going all in on content marketing and surfacing content, and they want to go out and compete with business publications. And certainly this is Facebook's foray into that. And Jay Bear wrote a post this week, which I thought was really interesting about how social media is no longer social and it's really about media, but don't call Facebook a media company. I mean, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think if it's not you know, if it's something that where they are actually taking the time to human curate this thing across topics, because that's one of the things that, quite frankly, fascinated me the most was that I could go to tech tools and I could go to these various topics and browse through content that I might not otherwise discover. And that's the real value in something like that, because, you know, Facebook can become a very much of an echo chamber when you're just browsing through yet another one Mm -hmm. of the set of your friends posting about the same stuff. And interestingly, this was a really this was the really innovative thing to me was to be able to see Facebook and the content that's being generated across its vast atmosphere in a really different way. So I think it's ultimately I really like it if it's if it truly is, if it just becomes another algorithm, you know, just basically a filtered search, I think it's going to get gamed and I think it's just going to become a, you know, another me too sort of idea. But the the idea that I can customize it and get, you know, human curated stuff is a really interesting, uh, interesting play, I think. Well, here's, I, and I'm actually asking this question because I don't know. I mean, the, the title of the article is Facebook paper is content, but don't call Facebook a media company, the Mashable one that you're talking about. Now, here's first of all, we know that Facebook has a media business model because they sell sponsorship and of they course. do. So they, the business model is a, is as a media company. I know they're de- de- denying that they're a media company, but now that they are actually curating content, because a lot of media companies don't create original content, they curate a lot of content. Uh, look at Upworthy. Upworthy, they don't create any original content off of that. Right. That's all curated. So. The, this is the, May Facebook is absolutely becoming a media company now. Is that important? I don't know. I guess I'm asking you. I just want to make the point that they absolutely are a media company, and whether or not yeah. they actually I mean, create original content, which the post goes on <laughs> and says that they will, they may or may not, and what if Facebook does, and that doesn't matter to me. It is a true blue media company model as we see it now. Yeah, I mean, it, it is, right? And so, I mean, and this gets right to what Jay was talking about in his post that he posted this week, which, of course, we'll also put the link in the show notes where he talks about the big three, right? The, you know, so Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook are becoming broadcast media platforms. And the, the comment that I actually made on his blog was saying, you know, and this comes from my own experience working in, you know, here on the West Coast and with, you know, with broadcast television networks, is that, they are very much like broadcast television networks if they take the idea that the large platform driven by the algorithm is the end of the game. Now, if they start taking the idea, which is brings us to another story that we'll get to in just a second, but it, this idea that they can become much more entrepreneurial about what they launch in terms of apps like this, paper, 
and other ways into this mass of content so that they can develop, quote-unquote, the cable channels that actually pull out the interesting content um, that is within that vast repository that is called Facebook. Well, now you've got something really interesting here because Facebook itself becomes an ecosystem that Facebook sort of mm-hmm. moves, moves on to. And, of course, they're a media company, but they can themselves birth new media companies out of that. And I think I think it's a real opportunity. I mean, for the longest time I've been a I've not been a Facebook fanboy in terms of uh of my, you know, my hopes for their business model going forward, but I got to tell you the the innovation that's coming out of that company is 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 kind of interesting. So, you know, I may be coming back on, around well, on that. Well, I mean, I'm I'm with you and 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 I want to get to the the next post because I think it's it's really relevant, but I I think the one thing that you when you look at we talked about this what like maybe it was last week or the or a week before the media business model the great media brands of all time whether it's ESPN or Huffington Post now or New York Times they all started with one channel and then they started to diversify into other channels i think it just took facebook a longer time now yeah. now we're starting to see that movement like we've seen of course the hi- history shows us so i don't know i I, I'm fascinated by it, and I think if you want to look at whether it's telling and whether it's really moving mountains here, look at the stock prices of both Google and Facebook here over the last couple of days with these news blurbs that are coming out, and you'll see that Facebook is up, Google is down, yeah. the markets are paying attention. But but you also showed me this. <laughs> what's the? I mean, you have this other one that was Business Insider. I think. What's the? Yeah. yeah go through this. Well, one a this is bit. well, and I think actually this is this. I don't think paper moved the market. If if any story moved the market, it was it was this one actually where, because this one was done actually on the earnings call. Um, That's true. That where where Zuckerberg talked about how basically they are going to go compete directly with Google for dominance of of search, which you know at its at its core you go really mark right have you been to denver lately or have you just been you know i mean is it have you really are you thinking that hard about it but but he claims that facebook now has a bigger index of data on hand than any other search engine and that includes google which at its surface you go i just don't believe that that's true i mean when you think of the size of the Google index and what it's actually spidering on a daily, hourly, minute-by-minute basis versus what Facebook has. But then you start to think about all of the different attributes and the depth at which the Facebook index has to go to sort of draw the conclusions that it does about you might like these friends and you might like this content and that sort of thing. And, you know, so the definition of index certainly comes to play here. But but all of that aside, because that's sort of inside baseball techno babble stuff, it's really interesting to me how Facebook is looking beyond it its social media sort of platform and looking at itself as a platform of content and how it actually delivers useful applications to its users. And that and that to me is a really interesting play here because it becomes you know, that becomes, you know, if, if you think search is in a world of hurt right now, like I've heard so many people talk about how Google is in this world of hurt because you go to a Google search and it's fairly useless. Now, I will say I go to Facebook and I've tried their search and that's just as useless right now. But what he's saying is, is that they're going to use this graph index and make their search a lot better than Google. So I, I I think it's a big it's a big bold move, and from that perspective, I like it. Well, obviously they're going right after it because he said it purposely. 
that they do more indexing than I don't know the exact quote than, than anyone else, <laughs> which right. would be poked right at at Google. I, I had two takes from this. One, this um, the the Google what's the what's the Facebook search graph search graph the yep. graph search reminds me of Google four one one and go, and the yeah. purpose of Google four one one was for them to, you know, we'd call in and get information and they would basically record our voices and they would have, you know, hundreds of thousands of people all over the planet ask questions in all different ways and all different tones and all different accents so Google could master uh, basically listening to voices and being able to ultimately that search would be all about voice recognition. Right. And they cut... Google 411 because they got to 99.9% accuracy and they didn't need it anymore. It was a test. I yeah. think that's what graph search was. Graph search was a test because it stinks right now. Oh, that's interesting. It's horrible. Yeah, it's horrible. It stinks. It's no good. But yeah. They're just testing. It's just using it to get information because the big thing is yet to come. We don't know what that is. So that said, for whatever, if that's worth anything. Here's well, that's, that's, that's a surprisingly insightful observation, my friend. I have to say, that that right there is actually... You, folks, you just got your money's worth right there because that is a really smart, smart observation. <laughs> You've never said that to me before. I'm I, you floored. Know, I have to tell you, I, I, I'm a little floored myself. Okay. That's, that's just really smart. All right, here's let, some, hit me with it. Here's something that's not as <laughs> profound. Um <laughs> And this just came to me, so it's definitely not profound. I, um, what if we are supposed to use Google as brands, so I'm thinking of as brands, not to get fans anymore and not to get likes and not to get followers, but to be found, to have our content be found? Yeah. I think that's what this becomes. I think that's what we're going to see. And if we, we need to start thinking about as brands, start thinking about Facebook and the content that we create and looking at the different algorithms of how that content will show up and not necessarily to create our own. And I think this has been that way for a while, but I think I need to say it and maybe talk it through with you. But just so we're not thinking about our page, right? It's not about our Facebook page and getting fans on that page, but it's another way to get our stuff found so that we can get direct connections with whoever's out there looking for the kind of stuff that we have to offer. Does that make any sense? It does, actually, because that – and that gets back to one of the sort of – it's a a subtext of what Jay was talking about in his post, which is this idea that – that the you know he actually flat out comes out and says it, and there was a few comments on his blog post that 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 seemed to disagree with this, where he says, "Look, the the, the social media platforms really don't care if you connect to other people or connect in a social way. What they care about is that you find the thing that you're looking for, or that yep. you quote unquote tune in, right? And so, in a weird way, we have to start thinking now about as brand, as as marketers, as communicators for our business." maybe less about how our page is going to create a community that we that we actually interact with and actually more about how we use that platform to get our content found so that it actually gets engaged with on another channel if that makes sense so it it it, it, it they may, very well may change the way that we are the strategy for why we would use Facebook as a brand to begin with it may not from a as a user's perspective change the way but from a from a brand's perspective it may very well do that do exactly that well this is the first time that and I've never I mean I disclaimer I own stock in both Google and Facebook and I have for (laughs) I have for a long time 
Uh, so I'm, I don't know where the bets are going to be. I'm placing bets on both of them because I think they're both going to be successful. But this is the first time after really looking at this and really getting it that I think they're going to go head-to-head, like really seriously head-to-head. And it's all about the, use, be, the web being useful, how useful, whoever's most useful is the one that's going to win. And maybe they'll, they'll probably both win. But that, I guess that's, that's what hit me the most with it. It's, yeah. No, it's, a, it's great it's stuff. A, it, yeah, it really is great stuff. Well, we live in exciting times. Okay. Well, with the, speaking of exciting times and what not so exciting times, there was a not so exciting game that was played this weekend um, called the Super Bowl. But the commercials that came out of that were somewhat interesting. But what I found was, and this is a link that you sent me that I had no idea about it until you sent it to me. And I actually watched this trailer and was literally on the floor laughing. It is, this is some funny stuff. So the news item is that Chipotle is going to launch a new comedy series about industrial farming. And it is content marketing pure. We talked about three episodes ago, we talked about the Academy Awards and how we thought hulu or snapchat was going to get i'm telling you this if this series is what the trailer says it's going to be it it may be very well up for an academy or or some sort of an award next year it looked great well this is um this is it right we're seeing it i man i just love where we're at in in the world right now because we're seeing stuff happen that's just never happened like this before so just some detail on it this is a new york times article uh, talking about the launch of Chipotle's uh, four series um, web videos that will be called Farmed and Dangerous. And so, so good. it's a chip, so, it, so good. it's billed as a Chipotle original series. And it is, they're calling it a stealth marketing strategy. And you and I all know that it's a content marketing strategy, pure and simple. It's not, and they're saying it's not about product integration, but values integration. And it, it really continues what they did with their two videos, most recently the Scarecrow talking about, um, I guess it's an attack, right? Attack on industrial agriculture. And they just keep hitting it yeah. over and over again. And they're hitting it with this. Um, you know, four you know four video set of what group of four videos that they're having. Yeah. This is the thing that really uh, got to me that I loved. And we're talking about you know who's going to win the Academy Award someday or or, uh, or Oscar. They have put Hulu, so it's going to be on Hulu. These four mini episodes, and Hulu made the decision to put this right alongside all the other content they have. Because they felt that the production, because of, and I'm, I'm taking cliff notes from here, because the show is, and is, is entertaining and has high production value along with recognized talent. Yep. And that's how they put, hey, they're basically saying this brand author piece of content is just like every other great piece of content out there. <laughs> and we shouldn't look at it any different. And I'm floored by that. I mean, we're yeah. seeing it happen in front. I mean, what what's your take on this whole thing? I I could not be a bigger fan of this. I mean, this is this is exactly what you know we've been talking about. This is the this is the actual expression of everything that we've been talking about for years, where a brand actually takes a value their approach their the differentiation that they truly have, which is their approach to making food, and using that val- what they call are their values approach to create a piece of content that people are going to engage with. It will be really interesting to see how much exposure they get because of this and how big a hit or not this show is. I think it's a wonderful test to see 
um, you know, an early adopter go out and, and do this thing. I mean, just from the trailer alone, there are actors that you recognize in this thing that you've seen in other movies. It's it's not just a B level YouTube video. This is there's real production going, and it's and the level of comedy here is high. It is funny, funny stuff. Well, what's interesting too, because I want to put it in perspective, because a lot of people listening to this might say, "Oh, Chipotle, they got a big budget, blah blah blah." I can't do it. So they're saying in this article that it's going to cost about 250000 an episode. So basically a million dollars to do yeah. the four, uh, four episodes. Put that in perspective of the one Super Bowl ad that costs $4 million. This is a discount. The other thing that you've got to remember is – Or just any, any TV any, flight. Any, any, any TV flight. Any TV flight. But what's really amazing here is – and I'm putting it in perspective because I used to sell you know, custom magazines and sort of know what those things cost. $250,000 an episode, that's a that's – that's probably what you would pay for, uh, you know, let's say a 48-page ma- custom magazine going to 100,000 customers. So a million dollars for a custom magazine program is not out of the question if somebody was going to do a quarterly magazine program. Now we have a quarterly video, uh, per se, that's going out there. The cost of doing this kind of quality content has come so far down. If they can do this kind of uh, – have this kind of talent yeah. – uh, we, I mean, I can't imagine what we're going to see out there. So I, I, I guess I'm saying everybody out there, look at what can be done with owned media instead of paid media. And we've just seen all the, you know, if you liked the commercials or you didn't, I know we didn't get into that, what you like and what you didn't like for the, yeah. for the Super Bowl. but boy, hats off to Chipotle. I'm really interested to see how this does. Well, the other thing too is, is that they've, what they've not created is a commercial here, right? So and this is this is thinking way further down the line, but it is something that I actually talked with Jonathan Mildenhall at Coca-Cola about when he and I got the chance to sit down and talk, which is marketing as profit center rather than just expense, right? So if there's some way that Chipotle ultimately monetizes this series, it's very conceivable that they could actually earn the money back that they spent making it. And so there you start to have marketing that actually starts to pay for itself, not just in sales or uplift in brand or more visitors to your website, et cetera, but actually in real dollars that actually monetize content in, a, in an interesting I think way. you heard it right here. Robert Rose with the prediction. <laughs> it's going to happen. And there is a press, press – I mean many oh, precedents yeah. right there. I mean, yeah. hey, look at, uh, look at airline magazines. The same thing with – I mean they, they monetize yeah, that's them. That's right. Exactly Red right. Bull monetizes their content. It's no different. Absolutely. You called it right here. (laughs) All right. Well, on to our next story here. Um, The the headline here grabbed me, and I actually went and read this article, and, you know, it was a surprise to me. I'm still chewing on this one a little bit. So Outbrain says, relevance is overstated, and the value of relevance is overstated. So just a quick set of details here. This is an article actually from the Outbrain blog. They claim that they've done a study here, and full disclosure, Outbrain is a sponsor of Content Marketing World and has been sponsored of uh, other things on CMI, but is not sponsoring this. Um, this was just something I found in on the internet and I found completely interesting, which is I read this blog post and they, they've, they've apparently done this research that shows from their own platform the level of engagement and they have this, what they call their engagement average, is 16% higher for unrelated content recommendations rather than related. So just if you don't know what Outbrain does, they are the ones that have the little widget at the bottom of pages like CNN.com where 
if you read a news story and then at the bottom it says, you may also like or may be interested in this type of story as well. And they automatically index a number of your, you know, uh, of content sources and then present related content based on some semantic analysis. And what they found is what this blog post is saying basically is that people are actually more interested in things that are unrelated to the article that they just read rather than the, the, the sense of relation. And that's a really interesting if, – if it's true, it's, it's, really, it's really interesting because we're so focused on putting relevant pieces together. But it may be that we need to start thinking about testing completely unrelated content um, next to stuff that we're, that we're putting out there. I don't know. What did you think? Well, I'm with you. I was struggling a bit, but then I'm trying to think about, well, how do I use and – and I think it's right. I mean just because I read an article on you know one article on traveling somewhere or one article on a certain stock doesn't mean I want to follow that up with something similar to that. Um, I just didn't think it was this drastic of a difference. Uh, th- this is the thing that kills me. I mean they're, they're talking about this relevancy brainwash – and they're yeah. trying to get rid of that. And they say maybe it's becoming clear that the best way to deeply engage audiences is to tailor recommended recommendations to each individual person. We're talking about one-to-one marketing. And uh, I, I thought it was a great study. I want to I see more. I want to see it in action. I want to see – if this is true, then there are a lot of websites that are set up the wrong way. Well, but you know, the, here's the interesting thing is, is, is if it really is true – then what does it say about relevancy engines at all? You know, why are we, you know, in other words, why would we want, in a weird way, this tends to kind of argue against any kind of automation of a platform to show related content at the end of my blog. No, no, no. I think, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. I think that it's a different kind of relevancy. I think it's not a relevant, uh, an article that's just like the one we read. I think it's like, if you like, uh, if you read something on apples, we have the algorithm that knows that people that, that read something on apples are going to love something on peanut butter. It's, it doesn't look related at all, but we've got enough data to tell us that that's for you. That's what you like. I, don't, I think that's maybe the new kind of relevancy is looking at the, the persona of the person, right? Isn't that it? I, you know, yes, I guess that's true. And and the and 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 what they're saying and 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 let's be clear there there's a reason that they're blogging about this you know what I mean so it's not that they're not trying to talk us out of what they're they what like their, apples and peanut butter I mean, exactly that's <laughs> right so there's a reason that they're but the, I, I guess what I where I'm still struggling is this idea that okay but this gets this gets directly to what we were talking about earlier in the show which is this idea of. How much data do you have to have about someone before you can tell not only what's relevant but what's not relevant? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like how much data do you have to have on me to know that peanut butter and apples are are something that I like together that may be unrelated in concept to each other but that are actually related to me in a way that I would want to 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 click. It's it I, you know, it's it's a fascinating thing to me because Ultimately, that to me, it comes down to the eye of the beholder and testing in your own, you know. In other words, apples and peanut butter may not be something that I'm going to be interested in reading Content Marketing Institute blog, but I might be interested in reading on a travel blog. And so the context of which I find myself also affects what what is not <laughs> relatable to me. I'm talking myself into circles here, but basically – 
it's it's something that I'm still re- wrestling with. You know, basically identifying something that is not. You know what I mean? Rather than something that yeah. is. And that's it's a it's a tough it's a tough hill to climb. Well, I think the I think the takeaway is on this one is that maybe we just have to question what relevancy is when it comes to the content. That's that right. We that, exactly right. What is relevancy? That's 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 really and, and, a te- and by the question. way, and testing. So when yeah. you're looking at what's at the bottom of that page, I think you really need to test if they've just gone through an article. Like what what is the next article and. Do they want an article and do they want something else? And when you just said who has the data for all that, I just thought of well, you know who does? Facebook. They just told. I us. know that's they it, got that's three it, trillion right? indexed or whatever they said. <laughs> so they got it. They know exactly that apples and peanut butter either go together. They don't. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, that brings us to the segment of the show that apparently is one of your favorites uh, out there, folks, and which is our rants and raves, where we take a segment of the show and talk about all of the things that we either really hate or really love uh, over the last week. And Joe is going to go first. And I think you have a, do you have a rant this week? I, I I'm, I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to do a rant. And uh, the, I'm going to, I'm going to, I've got two, but they're, they're both Super Bowl <laughs> commercial related. Uh, the one is, and I, I got to have a shout-out here. Let me bring up the article. I got to br- have a shout-out to Ann Hanley because I was uh, looking at her Facebook post, and she was saying, please, right. SodaStream, would you copy edit your commercials? Because <laughs> they had this thing. Scarlett Johansson did the I commercial. Saw it, yeah. yeah, and she said, less sugar, less bottles, which you know, right. a good copywriter would know that it's less sugar, fewer bottles. Right, um, exactly. But uh, she right. didn't get that. So I just thought the fact that, wow, you just spent $4 million on this ad, and you didn't have a, somebody copyright this bad boy? I don't know. That right. that was my, my take on this one. There's a whole – actually, if you're really interested, there's a whole lot of issues with the soda stream. The other one was – just thinking about this, you know how she goes through the com- the commercial and then she says, I'm going to make this go viral? Right, and then she doesn't do anything to make it go well, viral. <laughs> Shouldn't do anything to make it go viral. But the other thing is, like, no, like, what are we supposed to do? Is there a hashtag? Is there a call right. to action? Are we supposed exactly. to go someplace? Are we supposed right. to do something? Nothing. Like, right. I'm just supposed to be in awe and I'm going to make this thing go viral because of Scarlet. I just thought it's just like that's what was overwhelming me about the, com- uh, or maybe underwhelming me about the commercial Super Bowl commercials were, yeah. boy, the lack of calls to action just just floored me. Yeah, there was a few people who called that out. I mean, uh, you know, not to forgive the pun there, but yeah, it's it's amazing the the lack of integration. You know, was was truly astounding. So that that was the one, and the other one, and I'll put this in the show notes. I I wrote an article on LinkedIn. Um, I've been doing it for it's about th- my this is like version three of this article, and it's what can a Super Bowl ad buy you in content. And I just, you know, almost want to rant on the idea of companies spending $4 million on one paid placement and, and all the things that we could do with it as content marketers. By the way, for those of you counting, that's $133,000 a second, uh, which is a lot of money. And, I, you know, I, I, just some things, you know, just some things. I'm going to rattle off some things that you could do with that. You could have 53 issues of your own print magazine, believe it or not, 53 issues. You could have 17000 750 blog posts for that. 1,300 white papers. Uh, this is what I like. You can get your very own chief content officer for 27 years. 
or or a fantastic managing editor for 44 years. Uh, 17 full-scale customer events in person to 250 customers. 50 books, 400 infographics. You get the point. I just right. You know, I made the make the point. We do it every year because we just want people. Not that there's anything wrong with paid media. We talk about it here. Uh, there's nothing wrong with advertising. Advertising and and uh, content marketing go together like apples and peanut butter. Apparently, yeah, there but, it is. Uh, but I, I I think the point is is that we have to look at our strategy and sometimes maybe there's a better way than paid. So that's my that's my two rants uh, for the week. Uh, how about you, my friend? Yeah, well, you know, and just to, I mean, just to feed off of yours quickly is, you know, one of the things that I love that I didn't see that they did this year, which kind of disappointed me, to be honest. As you know, I'm a Coca-Cola fanboy from a, you know, their marketing strategy. But last year in the Super Bowl, I noticed that they used one of the uh, one of the videos that they created for their content marketing effort as the Super Bowl commercial. It was the security cameras um, video. Which I thought was just genius because it was sort of use the content marketing effort as kind of a uh, you know kind of a the, the the B league or basically the the junior leagues as it were and see how it resonates find which ones which stories really resonate with the audience from a owned media perspective and then integrate that into a paid media perspective which is the Super Bowl commercial which of course gets you all sorts of earned media the messages around you know the talk shows talking about your commercial and how awesome it really was and I thought it's a, still a story that I tell to this day of how they really leveraged one very inexpensive piece of content and, and and, and leveraged in a, in a much more holistic way, and they didn't do that this year. Um, although the the foreign language uh, version of America the Beautiful, I thought was 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 wasn't really well that done. wasn't that something? And it's I'm just I'm, wonderful. I'm floored by the amount of negative criticism over that. Like, well, like, you know, the interesting uh, thing was somebody said that it really wasn't a lot of. Basically, the the reason that it got to trending was because so many people piled onto the very few comments that were negative. Oh, okay. I thought that was an interesting take. I, I don't know that that's a fact, but I thought that was a really interesting take. Was that sort of the overreaction to the very few negative con- actually made the the trending hashtag trend on Twitter? Yeah, everything is bigger online. There you go. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, my rants. I have a rant and a rave this week. I have two. So spe- feeding off of the Super Bowl stuff. Um, the my rave is really about the anti commercials um, or the the adjacent commercials. If they, and I just loved, especially what Newcastle Brown Ale did here. Um, and this is something, by the way, that anybody with a video budget could have taken advantage of, and probably many did. But Newcastle certainly caught my attention, um, which was. They didn't do a Super Bowl commercial, but they actually did a commercial or a series of videos where they actually talked about the Super Bowl commercial that wasn't. And the two ads or videos, if you will, that were really caught my eye were one where they had Anna Kendricks. And literally the video in its entirety is a minute and a half or two minutes of Anna Kendricks sitting in a chair talking about – this Super Bowl commercial that didn't actually happen. And she gets progressively angrier as the video goes on by the time she storms off and she's, you know, there's all sorts of curse words and bleeping and everything. And it's just, it's very funny. And basically it's how Newcastle screwed her life over. And then they actually did a second one, which is the animated version of what the Super Bowl commercial would have been. And it's basically a storyboard of Anna Kendricks on this island and this guy finds himself on this island and there's fireworks and 
cats that come in with laser beams on their head and the whole thing. And it's just a really awesome homage to the over-the-top Super Bowl commercial. And they didn't have to do any of it. All they had to do was storyboard it. And then at the end, of course, it's all brought to you by Newcastle Brown Ale. So it was just a wonderful way to tell a story without actually having to buy the Super Bowl time and get a lot of uh, spread of that content because of it. So that's my rave this week. My rant... And I don't have an answer for this, but I just – it's something that's really starting to bug the hell out of me, which is these headlines – and we talked about it earlier, the Upworthy, the BuzzFeeds, the Buzzworthies, the Upfeed. I don't know how many there are these days, but they are just driving me absolutely crazy with these headlines that are now just invading Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, everywhere – and it's basically the headline is always structured the exact same way, which is, you know, I thought this was amazing until she, and then there's it drops out, you know, yeah. there's a dot 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 or something like that. You know, one of them is before you say Africa's getting better, listen to what this one girl said right here at one minute and twenty seconds, and then you click through, and it's a video where you've got to wait three and a half minutes before you actually get the answer, and it's just driving me absolutely. Crazy, And the one that sort of just sort of set me over the edge was CNN actually did it this week where they actually said, you'll see this girl stabbed her sister 40 times. Wait till you see the crazy reason why. And then they – it's just – these headlines are just they're, – they're, they're so annoying to me. And I don't have any answers for it. I know why they're doing it. It's not – that doesn't escape me. I know exactly why they're doing it. But the fact that this is actually starting to spread to all of these different – buzzworthy upfeeds you know viral 2.0 news aggregation sites is just something i'm ranting on this week so so there you go i don't have any answers for it i just wanted to rant about it and let off some steam well yeah and i i i think there's a there's an opportunity for brands out there to uh, you know you say it all the time right uh, tell a different story don't just yeah. copy what's going to i mean it's it's actually the same thing by the way what was in, i had so many people come up to me about uh, in Denmark, and then I was in Columbus, and then listening to the podcast talking about the the dates, uh, blog dates. You know whether you date stamp your blog posts. Oh, yeah. I think it's the same thing, right? It's like we've been told that it's a good thing to do, and if you put things in your headline, you will get more traffic and whatever. But I think there's is a point where you know you have to look inside yourself and and the the story that you want to tell as a brand and say, you know, we're not going to do that. That's not us. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, I think there's place for both, right? It's sensationalism is going to be around forever. And, yes, of course. Uh, I'm, I was a little surprised to your point about CNN going that far in the dredges to <laughs> to do that, that. Well, maybe not. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, it's just too bad. But I, I, I wanted to – actually, I was waiting forward to your rant because I thought you were going to have a solution to it. No, <laughs> I do not. I do not. I just I, – you know, and I, and I don't know that there is even a solution needed, right? I mean, as you say – sensationalism and those kinds of headlines have been around forever and they will continue to be around forever. And I just, I, I, I was just annoyed this week. I, there may have been just a inordinate amount this week that I had to deal with, but I just, it, it was something that I had to blow off a little steam about. Um, so that moves us to the next. So now we have a really interesting thing here because we are in the midst of dun, 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 dramatic music here of actually, acquiring a sponsor for our wonderful podcast, which is in the middle of negotiations. Shh, don't tell anybody. But you actually had a really interesting idea that you floated past me, which we could do um, 
as our sponsors while we're in this interim period. Why, I, why don't you Why don't you talk talk about it? Well, I don't know. You know, and I don't know if this is a good idea, but let's do it. Uh, let's do it for this week and as long as we yeah. can. And I thought that you know, there's a lot of really good uh, products and offerings out there in the content marketing industry, and <clears throat> we thought that we'd offer sort of the you know get your chance to be a free sponsor thing on uh, this old marketing podcast. And so we were thinking, and I guess you and I were brainstorming the best way to do this. So if yeah. you out there have a cool product or service or something you'd like us to focus on without having to pay a cent and have it uh, uh, be on our show, and, and we'll pick and pick one every week and as long as we can and talk about it. Uh, what do you say? Uh, put the, use the hashtag, This Old Marketing, use right? Use the hashtag. Go yeah, on to Twitter. Absolutely. Uh, you know, link to the show. Uh, talk, it, talk about what you've got or link to your product, but make sure you use the... Uh, the hashtag this old marketing hopefully you have a cool story something that do something cool don't just yeah. don't just link to your site or something do something awesome or or your take right or a blog yeah. post or something <laughs> just like that'd be terrible yeah, it is a content marketing show just link to your product that's all we yeah. that's all we do here we don't care about <laughs> stories so any, so so there you go so this old marketing hashtag uh, linked is something cool, and uh, we'll pick the best one every week here, and and we'll we'll put it on. and And I and I think that we have a one that we're going to talk about here that sort of is cool and and is a good example of this. Did you want to talk about it a little bit? I do, and you know, and just to and just to just to finish that off because this is this this one we're going to talk about is just an, a great example of this. It doesn't have to be a product or service. If you're a practitioner and you just want to talk about your own resume, you want to talk about your own approach to how you do content marketing, and want to bolster up on your own personal shine as it were to, please feel free to also also do it it does not have to be a product and this is a guy that i want to talk about as a as the sponsor for uh for this week's show and 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 somebody that i'd want to talk about because he just did something this week that i thought was incredibly cool his name is doug kessler and he's in london um and uh, or just outside of london anyway and and uh, he works for a company called velocity partners they're an agency and they do really cool content marketing work for sure uh, mostly in the b2b space and what doug did was something really interesting on a project that i that i jo- he he called my attention to it but but it was just a wonderful example of telling a different story and he basically did this slide share and it was also a wonderful example of how to take slide share and actually do something really interesting with it which is he did kind of this open book of why he found meaning in uh, B2B marketing and I'm not going to spoil any of it because I'd love for you to go look at it we'll put the link of course in the show notes but Doug is just an amazingly creative person. It's I've I've tweeted how annoying actually how creative he is and how wonderful he is. You can find him on Twitter at, at Doug Kessler, K-E-S-S-L-E-R. Um, and of course his uh, the company he works for, which is Velocity Partners, which is velocitypartners.co.uk. And he's just an amazing guy. Yeah, and we'll make sure that we link uh we'll embed the the slideshare actually that he put together in the show notes and uh it's like 92 slides. It probably doesn't have more. It doesn't have a lot of words on, on any of the pages. Yeah. And it's. It, I actually went through the whole thing. I can't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> it'll it's, take you less than 15 minutes yeah, to go through went, the whole it thing. Basically, and it's, just, it's told yeah. a story of of there's meaning in, in what he does, B two B marketing, and my take to Doug and yours. You know, you had your comment. We did this separately, right? And I went on there and I said, uh, "This is how agencies need to market." And yeah. uh, if you read that. Um, Oh boy, you would just, <laughs> I mean, who would not want to work for Doug? 
after yeah. after reading that because you want something different and, and your marketing to mean something. So hats off to to Doug and and uh, hopefully we'll keep this as sort of a tradition on the show. So let, let's see how that I really goes. Really like it. I really like it. I really like it. Okay, well, that brings us to the namesake segment of our show, which is this old marketing. And, you know, this is the international edition. Um, I think uh, it it seems that fitting that we have a wonderful uh, company that doesn't come from the U.S. um, this week, Joe. And KLM, for those of you who don't know, an airline um, and uh, based out of Holland. Um, just a wonderful example of this old marketing. And uh, well, why don't you why don't you talk? Why don't you tee this up? Well, it's interesting. I first became associated with KLM uh, magazine, iFly magazine, back in two thousand, I think eight or nine, uh, and and did a blog post about it. And I'll link to the original blog post in the in the show notes. Um, but they really so I saw the presentation done by one of the senior marketers about iFly Magazine, and what I thought was incredible is, even back in 2009, and they're even much more so now, but those people that read iFly Magazine showed amazingly positive behaviors. So we basically, they're one of the best examples of how a custom magazine, and a lot of people think the airline magazines are pretty useless, uh, this one is tremendous and does and has amazing results. So what they found was just even after a few issues of iFly, it was the best marketing tool they'd ever used to sell repeat tickets. Isn't that something? Yeah. I was just blown away it by is, it. It's amazing. And by the way, the, their magazine, their their airline magazine, has long been considered one of the best in the business and is also the longest standing in the business. Pan Am was the first to actually start an a- airline magazine, but KLM – was early thereafter in the 1960s and has you know continued its leadership in terms of providing wonderful content about Holland about visiting about vacations about every, you know and it's just beautiful i mean the magazine their the new digital version is just absolutely gorgeous oh it's and it's you're right it's visually stunning and some of the things like the average reader spends 20 minutes with the magazine uh 20% read the entire magazine and their goal what i loved about this is they you know just just like Everyone else that doesn't do this, they actually started out with a business goal. And yeah. to do this, the business goal was to sell additional tickets to current customers, which I think yeah. is just a noble goal because we always talk about lead gen and demand gen, and I always love the retention loyalty goals. I do too. Uh, and, and so they've done this. So we'll link to, to iFly Magazine. It's an incredible example of, uh, of good travel content done really, really well. And I think what I love – what I've loved to see over the past few years is their expansion in the use of the digital format and how you can really and, and – it's not the same. It's different, but it's visually stunning the way they're able to put it, uh, sort of the canvas and art canvas on the screen, and, and hats off to them for, for a fantastic job. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so where, where are you going to be next week? What's coming up for you? Uh, what is coming up for me? I uh, – you know <clears> – <throat> I, I can't believe I forgot to, to talk to you about it. We're, we're launching this week uh, the Executive Forum. Dun, uh, dun, dun. I know. For those people that don't know, the, the CMI is launching the Executive Forum. It's going to be in San Francisco. It's going to be in late May, and it's limited to 75 sen- global senior marketers. Uh, and we're going to get them all in a room and keep it very quiet and just learn together, network together. And we've had, and you and I, we've been talking about this forever, but we know that we've had a ton of senior level marketers say, can you please put something like this together? 
And I've been working on that for the last few weeks, and uh, we're excited that we're going to launch it this week. It's going to be crazy good. Oh, gosh, I can't wait. I think it's going to be – I think it's exactly what this industry needs because the biggest issue is it's hard to find people that do what I do in content marketing, and we're going to get 70, <laughs> 75 of them in a room together. And we're going to see what yeah. kind of magic we can create. So I'm pretty excited about that. How, how about you, my friend? What, what are you up to lately? I'm actually home with a little bit of heads down time to do some work. Um, I am actually headed to a couple of different, uh, a different couple of different client engagements to work on content marketing, but they're all here in California. So I've got a San Diego trip, and I've got a Sacramento trip, and a San Francisco trip. Um, basically, anything to keep me out of that polar vortex that you people have on the East Coast that's dumping 17 feet of snow on you. So I'll be happily ensconced here on the west side of the Rockies for a while. Why don't you so come out and uh, why don't you come out and pay me a visit? <laughs> we'll do the next. We'll do the yeah. next show here in Cleveland, Ohio. I am very happy yeah, here sure in, uh, at the, as on the western side of the country, my friend. Well, that is it. Um, for Joe Polizzi, this is Robert Rose signing off. And remember, if you'd like your question answered on the show, tag us on Twitter at This Old Marketing. Also, if you want to be one of our sponsors, tag us on hashtag This Old Marketing. Or send us an email, thisoldmarketing at contentinstitute.com. This was episode number 12, the Dirty Dozen episode. Also, if you like this episode, we do hope you'll consider subscribing on iTunes or Stitcher.com. All those links, plus the show notes, available at thisoldmarketing.com. And remember, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing.